You are now listening to the Blue Collar Unplugged Podcast. Sexton gets it. Three seconds. Two. Sexton at one. For win. It's good! It's good! It's good! Your home for all things Alabama basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Blake Byler. Animals are like, I don't know if that like, like resonates <laughs> with you, but like you always see tigers in like, like on pictures and like on TV, but when you like see a tiger in front of you, it's like, what am I looking at? Matthew Gibson. You had Alabama fans selling their on-court seats to Auburn fans for the biggest game in God knows how long. And Jacob Pickle. At some point, somebody's got to take a stand. It's like, hey, man, the Capitol's that way. Chill out. (laughs) No! Stop it! Enjoy the show. All right, welcome in to the Blue Collar Unplugged podcast. This is season three, episode 15, I believe. Uh, I'm Blake Byler, joined by Matthew Gibson. We are without Jake Pickle. Yeah. All the responsibilities that come with being Crimson Chaos president have uh, have caught up with him. So he we, we, we will be missing him today, but it will just be the two of us. We'll be talking about um, Alabama's win over Ole Miss uh, from last night. We'll be talking about this weekend, big weekend, uh, college game day coming to town, Tennessee and Alabama on deck, massive game. Um, but first, Matthew, we were both in Oxford last night. Uh, and we were there to witness Alabama's 103-88 to win over the Ole Miss Rebels. Honestly, the first 15 minutes of that game looked very similar to when we were both in Lexington about five days ago, and we watched Alabama lose 117-95 to uh, to Kentucky. But they were able to turn it around, uh, able to get on what ended up being a 15-point win. What stood out the most to you? from that game last night? Well, I think, again, this team has proven over the course of the year that they can take a punch in the mouth and just immediately respond offensively. And I think versus Ole Miss, we saw that again. Uh, they, at the, I believe around the five-minute mark, they trailed by 14 points in the first half. And by the time the first half was over, they trailed by three. And after that, it was pretty much smooth sailing for there from Alabama. And I, again, just the impressiveness to me to be able to just time and time again, we saw against Georgia to just, come back uh, and really um, use an offensive performance like that uh, to just make a comeback on these teams in the midst of a grueling SEC gauntlet and uh, to get a victory like this and right in the middle of trying to secure an SEC regular season championship. So, I mean, that was my biggest takeaway. We saw um, some really big performances, notably from Aaron Estrada and Davin Cosby Jr. Uh, Aaron Estrada with a triple-double, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and then Cosby came off the bench and had 15 of his own with five threes. So, uh, it just – we got honestly a treat of a, a, a game. Um, Brilliant was great. Um, it wasn't a really ruckus environment by any means, but um, just a great win for Alabama coming into a really massive matchup with Tennessee. Yeah. Like you said, with the, the comeback thing, obviously Alabama's had their, their fair share of struggles against uh, against really good top tier teams on the road, whether that be Tennessee, Auburn, uh, Kentucky teams of that caliber, but in some of these games against 
teams that are middle of the pack to bottom of the SEC, um, whether that be Georgia, uh, LSU, Ole Miss, all three of those games, Alabama trailed in at one point. Um, and I think all of them were fairly close games with about 10 minutes to go. Uh, but Alabama just is too much offensively for a lot of these teams that can't match them to be able to keep up with. And I like Ole Miss had the 14 point lead early in the, not even early. It was kind of late in the first half. Yeah. Like you said, with five minutes to go. And I was like, you know, Alabama's down 14 here, but I don't know if what Ole Miss is doing is sustainable enough because you know Alabama's eventually going to start hitting shots. And that's what they did. And that's what they did against Georgia when they started coming back. That's what they did against LSU late in the game. You look up and Alabama's made threes on three straight possessions and then they get a steal and a run out. And all of a sudden, you've given up an 11-0 run in a minute and a half. And it's like nothing happened. And like, like if you're if you're a lesser team, a team with significantly less firepower than Alabama, and a team that uh, can't defend Alabama the way a Tennessee or an Auburn can, you really don't have a chance once they start hitting shots like that. Um, and that's one of the reasons. I mean, we can get into this later, but that's one of the reasons that I still think Alabama has a relatively high NCAA tournament floor, where their their ceiling. Who knows? You know, it, it, it's tough once they start hitting. Um, it, like, let's say Alabama's a three seed and they start playing against a, a, a two or a one. Those are the teams that Alabama struggled with. But when you're talking about a team that Alabama is better than uh, and they're just in games with for a long time, the, Alabama just overwhelms these teams with the level of offense that they play and, and, and the way that they can make shots. Yeah, and I – we talked about this last night. I like the way you put it is Alabama is the most perfectly rated team. They're not overrated, they're not underrated. They beat the teams that they're supposed to. And a lot of the times they're going to lose to the teams that they're also supposed to lose to. Um, but again, I think that part of that is some of the defensive issues that we've seen all year along with the, the offense, which is still top rated offense in the country, but you have a defense that's still hovering around at 100 in Kimball. Are they at what, like 99, 98 right I think now? 99. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's funny, honestly, watching this team and how they perform. I mean, the offense is one of the best offenses literally in college basketball history, but the defense is foul. <laughs> um, but we saw him make some adjustments there in the second half versus uh, guys like Brakefield and Flanagan and um, really just closed out the stretch. And, again, towards the end of that first half, we saw Mark Sears really beginning to catch fire. And then uh, in the second half, from from there, it was just all Rylan Griffin, Davin Cosby, Strata making play after play and really just, again, a team like Ole Miss is over the stretch of time in a game like that is going to get worn out by Alabama's offense. Yeah, and you mentioned Davin Cosby. I think just the fact that he was able to have the game that he did was really impressive. He came off the bench, had 15 points on 5 of 10 shooting. After the game, Nato said he was playing or emulating Ole Miss's Matthew Morrell uh, in, in scout team this week, and then uh, that he went 11 for 22 in practice on, I think it was Tuesday, yep. um, and then he comes out and shoots 50% on Wednesday. I just think it's it's so like a Nate team, and it makes so much sense for a Nate team to have a freshman guard that never plays to just 
come off the bench and hit five threes. Like if you're an opposing team playing against Alabama and you're like, oh, their their third guard, Latrell Reitzel's out, that that limits some of their weapons, you know, offensively. Um, he's one of their best shooters, so maybe they're not going to be able to uh, knock down as many threes. And the natives is like, actually, guy number 12 on the bench, you go in the game and you just hit five threes. Like that, for a NATO team, that just makes so much sense to me. It, it, it's funny to think about because you know that the, the offensive depth is going to be there. And you know that he's going to have guys that can shoot no matter what. Uh, it, it was great to see Cosby. It, NATO's talked a lot about how it, it just shows hard work paying off and how um, having a good attitude with that hard work pays off. And that's just always a cool story to see a guy who doesn't play a lot gets this opportunity. Um, and he makes the most of it. Yeah. And obviously we, again, we talked to Davin and Aaron last night and Aaron just couldn't, like, it just seemed really happy for, for Davin and, and how the effort that he's been able to put in uh, over the course of the year and to really just come off the bench and have a performance like that. I mean, Cosby is a guy that hadn't played more than 10 minutes since the Eastern Kentucky game all the way back in, uh, in December. So the fact that he's able to come off the bench in the middle of a big time SEC game for Alabama, even though it's more of like a trap game sort of, but, to be able to do that, to come off 15 points and really just pour in uh, some deep threes there, especially towards the end, it was it was a great uh, performance from him, and um, it, it really does speak to just the depth of this this Alabama offense and uh, how just multifaceted they are. I mean, it, it, Cosby played some great defense too, is the thing. I mean, he <laughs> he was a little he, bit of a he was a bulldog out there. He looked a lot like uh, the role that Wright still would have had. So for him to be able to step up and kind of play a emulate a certain role similar to Reitzel's, it was huge for them. I thought the team as a whole, like, yeah, they gave up 88 points, but I didn't think they played bad, bad no, defense necessarily. No, no. I thought the team. effort was better all the way, like, all, all the way around pretty much. I thought Ole Miss hit some tough shots. But one thing Alabama did do well was forced turnovers, I thought. They forced 14 Ole Miss turnovers for the game, and a lot of those came in that middle eight that uh, Nate Oates talks about the and coaches – all around the country when you're talking about basketball, talk about the last four minutes of the first half, first four minutes of the second half, that middle eight is where Alabama thrived last yeah. night. They outscored Ole Miss by 19 in that stretch, which was almost the entire difference in the game. Um, Alabama dominated that stretch, and Oates talked about how a lot of it was because of uh, the way that they played defense. The, the way that they played defense led to them being able to either get turnovers and get out in transition or force a miss, get a defensive rebound, and be able to play fast off of that. Uh, and the good defense aided their offense. It led to good offense, which led to more shot making, uh, which led to Alabama cutting that deficit down and, and building a slight lead to start the second half. Yeah, and one of the things that also impressed me the most was the fact that Alabama's ball movement was just ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness, it was ridiculous. Versus Kentucky, it was a little – got some moments of stagnant uh, motion. Um, just a lot of guys just kind of sitting around, waiting around the wing, hoping for just some sort of opportunity. But with Ole Miss, it was pass after pass after pass and kick out. Uh, and it was beautiful. I mean, Estrada, again, had 10 assists. I mean, um, just a they, – they whipped the ball around a lot. And also, they took care of it. Only had eight turnovers, which I believe is either the first or second lowest output of the year for, for Alabama. So offensively, they're clicking on all cylinders, especially in that second half. Yeah, um, Estrada having a triple-double is insane, for one, because it's only the fourth 
triple-double in Alabama basketball history, the first since Kyra Lewis four years ago. I think he, he along with Sears and Reitzel, those three guys are another reason that I just – I feel like Alabama has a higher floor than people are giving them credit for in the NCAA tournament because guard play wins in March. Everybody knows that. And not only guard play, but veteran guard play. And you look at Alabama's top three guards, fourth-year senior Mark Sears, fifth-year senior Aaron Estrada, fourth-year senior Latrell Reitzel. And when you get all of those guys playing at a high level, I mean, Mark Sears had 26 last night. And I feel like people aren't even, like, we haven't even talked about him really. And Mark, Mark Sears had 26 last night, which is insane to think about the season that he's had, but also insane to think about just this team and how a 26-point performance doesn't even really get to the headlines. Um, a couple of years ago, I bet you 26 points would have been the most points scored by an Alabama basketball player for an entire year. Yeah, And to think that he can have 26 and he's not even – the lead guy we're talking about. You have Aaron Estrada, a guy who can put up a triple-double in an SEC game. Uh, and then we know how valuable Reitzel is. We've obviously seen it with him being out the past three games. Um, his defense is missed. His shot-making is missed. Um, he had He's perfect from the free-throw line. He doesn't turn the ball over. Like, all of these things are things that help you win close games in March. Uh, and Alabama's backcourt, I feel like, is built for those kind of moments. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And again, we can talk about Mark Sears all day. I mean, it. Right. He's, <laughs> gosh, I mean, it, it seems like every game he's going to find a way to get 20 points. It doesn't matter if it comes through garbage time or what it is, but Mark is going to get his 20. And uh, again, versus Ole Miss had, um, I believe, 26, three of eight from three. Um, he played great. I mean, he's playing at uh, an SEC player of the year level. And obviously, I think that's going to be between him or Dalton Connect at this point. But, it might be decided on Saturday. Yeah, it could be decided on Saturday, which that game is going to be insane. But um, for Mark, just just continuing to just play at this level just seemingly every game, it's thoroughly impressive. And, again, when you have a backcourt like that and then you can couple in, um, someone who you guys we haven't even talked about was the frontcourt. And Nick Pringle, I felt like, had a fantastic game. And so did I Grant thought he Lassie. did too. Yeah, I mean, Pringle, Pringle had, what, like 10 points, 3 of 5 shooting, uh, 4 of 6 at the line for him. And then um, really solid for him. Yeah, Nelson, 10 points, four for seven from the field, uh, drilled a three. Um, now, Nelson ran some foul trouble, and so did um, Griffin and um, who was it? Stevenson did both, but yeah. um, they played great for the most part. And for me, it really felt like Nelson in particular just felt like he had a different sort of rhythm about him that he hadn't had in previous games. Um, the one catch and shoot three that he had felt like it was uh, just in a really good rhythm, good timing, and everything. And uh, those are two big performances from them and uh, from the front court. You have a front court like that, they can play at that sort of level and then have a back court that's experienced, uh, deep, and talented. You can go a long way in March. Yeah, Alabama's not going to have, like, we know they don't have world beaters inside of the, in the front court. But when Nick no. Pringle is playing at a level where he can put up 10.5 rebounds, like, he, he's a solid enough backup big man that whenever he's playing with high energy, it's really positive. And then I, somebody said it on Twitter yesterday or this morning, I don't remember, and they were saying that Grant Nelson has gone from the most overrated player on the team to maybe the most underrated. And I, I don't really disagree with that. I mean, the 
he didn't live up to expectations at the start of the season and also hit that absolute wall in terms of uh, his confidence. And so then he finally settled in an SEC play and got comfortable. And now he's just solid. Like now he just does his job. He, I feel like he's settled into his role and he just does his job. He plays as, as good a defense as he can on the interior. He scores a couple of buckets inside, a couple of quick post-ups, um, gets a block or two, maybe knocks down a three, and, and that's what he does. And then he leaves with probably around 10 to 12 points and five to six rebounds. And that's just what he is. And that, that's not generational. That's not um, – maybe a first round NBA draft pick, like uh, a certain coach was uh, said that he was going to be. But as far as what's beneficial to Alabama's team, I think he's gotten to the point where, and we've talked about this in other episodes before, but he's gotten to where he's settled into that role and knows what he is. I feel like. Yeah. And I think the, the Georgia game in particular was, was huge for Grant. And we hit those two threes down the stretch of the game to really seal the deal for Alabama. And then to honestly just get healthy again, he's obviously been banged up all year, but the fact that he's healthy and um, he looks like a a different level of of energy than he did uh, to start the season. And for Alabama getting that sort of athleticism back, it's been great for them. And he's, he's been an energy guy. I mean, we've seen it with some of the blocks that he's had uh, really fires up the crowd where he gets his team uh, motivated and um, an offensive, but like you said, just does his job. He's really settled into that role. Uh, and for him, like I, I, he's playing at, with a lot of confidence right now. And for Alabama, it's just what they need. Um, because again, that front court isn't a world beating front court, but uh, if you give them the chance to they're they can beat you themselves. Yeah, definitely. I, at, so Alabama got the win. 103-88 moved them to, 12 and 3 in the SEC. One of two teams that sit at 12 and 3. The other is obviously number four, Tennessee, who beat Auburn uh, at home on Wednesday night. And that sets up this monster matchup that we have coming on Saturday, 7 p.m. ESPN primetime. Alabama and Tennessee, first place in the SEC on the line. It's the first game in March. It's the two players that are in the front running for uh, SEC player of the year. It's everything you could want out of a matchup between these two teams. It's a rivalry. It's all of that. Um, We'll start with game day. The fact that game day is coming to Tuscaloosa for the first time ever for a basketball game. How significant is that? And And what does that say about what Nate Oates has built here? Yeah, I mean, I just think it just speaks to the the brand that Alabama has begun to build as a basketball power. I mean, obviously they're they're not at the level of uh, you know some of the UConns and everything of the world, but Oates has built a significant program in Tuscaloosa, and the fact that College Game Day is coming for this for the Tennessee game, and again, this is the maybe the biggest regular season game in Alabama basketball history. I mean, this this will more in all sense of the word will probably determine the SEC regular season champion. And you got the two best players in the SEC, Don Connect, Mark Sears, going head-to-head. I mean, what more could you want from a basketball game? This is this is peak college basketball. Yeah, this is it. This is this is everything that you'd hope for for SEC basketball. And the fact that Alabama's in it, and, and again, has a chance to win their third SEC regular season title in four years, I mean, that's 
everything Alabama could have hoped for when they hired Nate Oates. The program that he's built here has become a team, like a program, just anything that college basketball could have expected. Uh, and I think for him, um, the way that Alabama has just really rose to prominence uh, and after Avery Johnson. And Avery Johnson, I think, did a really good job of raising the floor of what Alabama basketball could be. And Oates is just taking it to the next level here. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows that Alabama is now in the national spotlight in terms of college basketball, which is something that I don't think a lot of Alabama fans saw coming or, or, or thought was going to happen again after, you know, they had the Elite Eight run under Mark Godfrey, had some good years then. But as far as being a national power and being consistently in the SEC race, uh that's not something that was even remotely close to happening before Nate Oates got here. And, and, and now, like I remember growing up seeing Alabama basketball play, and you'd be surprised to open a bracketology in February and see Alabama off the bubble. Off the bubble is in like a nine seed, like not even in like last or last four buys, last four in. Like to see Alabama off the bubble, like I remember in 2018 when they made the uh, NCAA tournament as a nine seed, it was like, oh, wow, a nine seed. Like, that, that's pretty impressive because you hadn't seen Alabama make the tournament in a long time, in six years at that point. And so now Alabama's in the hunt every single year under Natos. You you go back to 2020, it was first year, you kind of throw it out. I mean, it, it was what it was. Then 2021, you win the double. 2022, you beat a lot of good teams but lose to – a bunch of teams you shouldn't. That team is kind of the opposite of what this year's team is. Yeah, This year's team beats the bad teams and loses to some of the elite teams. 2022 was flipped, which is why they were so volatile when it came to the NCAA tournament and SEC tournament. But then that team was decent. They were able to beat some Final Four teams from the year before. 2023, you win the double. And now 2024, everybody's like, oh, you've got this cycle of good year, bad year, good year, bad year. So it looks like Alabama was elite last year, so you're coming into this year trying to temper your expectations. Maybe they're going to be fine. They should be a tournament team, but like uh, maybe top six seed, maybe a six seed, maybe a five seed. Like That'd be okay. And now you're looking at them and you're like, oh, they're solidly a three seed with the chance to move up to a two. And they're chasing another SEC regular season title when a lot of people didn't think that was possible. A lot of people, myself included, thought that, a top four seed in the SEC tournament, get the double bye, that'd be really successful. And now just the bar that has been raised because Nate Oates is here and because of the job he's done with a team that people didn't think were going to necessarily be this good, it's so impressive. And, and then now you get college game day coming, college game day that's going to be broadcast on ABC on Saturday. So you're going to get even more of a national audience than if it was just on ESPN. And you get a spotlight on what NATO's has built this program into in just five years since he's been here and the model of consistency that that has been since he's been in Tuscaloosa. Um, it's really special. And it's something that is going to be very cool to continue to see highlighted throughout the weekend as you get kind of more of a national perspective on what Alabama basketball has become. 
Yeah, and I think all of those reasons you mentioned too is why Oates is a legitimate candidate for uh, national coach of the year. Not just SEC yeah. coach of the year, but national coach of the year. I mean, you lose Charlie Henry, you lose Brian Hodgson, you lose Antoine Petway, and then you're in roster circumstances, you lose Noah Cloudy, first-round pick, Brandon Miller, first-round pick, Javon Quinterly, who had been with your program for seemingly forever and uh, done a lot of great things, won two rings. You lose um, – who else am I forgetting? Oh, goodness. Charles Bediaco. He was Charles Bediaco, yep. who, again, if he had said this year, this this team could really could have really had a chance to be special, but obviously he ends up taking a free agent contract with the Spurs. And then to come out, build a roster like this, and to be at the forefront of the SEC with a chance to win another SEC regular season championship is, quite honestly, unreal. And to me, it's just replacing those assistants, too, with guys like Preston Murphy and uh, everyone else, just the job that they've done is insanely impressive and it's it's why i think coach is very firmly like a coach of the year candidate and honestly probably should win sc coach of the year if not for maybe lamont paris yeah totally i i it's just incredible to like kind of take a thirty thousand foot view and look at what it's become because it's it's kind of hard to realize that when you're kind of in it and you're seeing every game, it's hard to kind of take a step back and look at the overall product because, you know, Alabama fans love to hyper fixate on little things and and see that, oh, the defense isn't that good this year. So, oh, this team sucks. They're never going to win an NCAA tournament game. They're never going to go to a Final Four whatever, because you give up 117 to Kentucky. But, like, when you really look at where this team is, this has been, regardless of the end of the season, this has been an overwhelming success of a season, regardless of how bad you think the defense has been. Um, the, the job and the coaching job that Nate Oates has done with this team has been fantastic. I mean, people forget that, Two months ago, Alabama was six and five in the middle of December, and everyone was like, "Oh, like the 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 same Alabama fans that that are saying, oh, they're terrible, uh, were like, oh, are they going to miss the tournament? They're six and five. Are they going to miss the NCAA tournament? Well, no, they're not going to miss the NCAA tournament. They're right here, potentially ready to win another SEC regular season championship. And so, speaking of that regular season championship, this matchup." is huge and it's fun i can't wait for saturday night like i'm i get excited thinking about it because the energy in coleman coliseum is going to be off the charts you mentioned the biggest regular season alabama basketball game ever i don't really disagree it's hard to think i mean maybe 2002 florida is the closest thing that i can think of that comes to this game because that game was two top 10 teams uh alabama clinched a share of the regular season title with a win in that one um this is two top 15 teams. The only other time, can you name trivia time? The only other top 15 game in Coleman Coliseum under NATO's. Ooh, would it be Houston? Yes. Good job. Boom. Alabama Houston in 2022. Uh, the JD Davison dunk and then the JD Davison not goaltend. Yeah, you also have the. Kelvin Sampson's son throwing the the trash can there at the end too. Oh yeah, and then Jamal Shedd picked it up. He did. Great guy. Great guy. <laughs> Great player. 
a great player. No kidding. <laughs> um, but that was the last time and the only time that there's been a top 15 game in Coleman Coliseum under Nate Oates, and that was in November, not in March. Very different. Like, big non-conference game, sure. But, like, now in March, like, this is when it gets real. So, Matthew, what are the keys to this game? And we've seen these team, these two teams play already. Alabama lost by 20 up in Knoxville about a little over a month ago, about five weeks ago. So how does Alabama keep that from happening? What are the keys in your mind to this game? Yeah, well, obviously, Dalton Connect is who Dalton Connect is. I mean, we saw Auburn last time out connect at 39. And Auburn did so many things, like, I felt like the right way of how you should defend Dalton Connect. They were doubling him a good bit um, and stayed up close to him. And I, I just – Auburn did a good job, and he still scored 39. There's not much – you're going to be able to do with connect. I think he's going to be able to be due for some regression when he comes to Tuscaloosa. So connect is who he is. What I feel like you have to really lock in is guys like Jonas Adu in the front court. Adu is fantastic. you got Zakai Ziegler. Uh, we'll see what he's going to be able to do against a guy like Mark Sears in terms of trying to be able to lock him up. Um, and again, we've always, Tennessee's always had these teams that are great defensively every year on Rick Barnes. They've always been stout defensively. Now they have a team that they can, get some buckets when they need to. And a lot of that is because of connect, but Josiah Jordan James is having a really good year. And you have a guy like, like Santiago Vescovi, who was an all SEC player last year. He was only averaging seven points a game as a senior now, because someone like connect has come into that program and just taken a firm grasp of it. Um, so Tennessee is able to get some buckets and bunches. And for Alabama, who's really been struggling defensively for the most part, they've got to be able to find some sort of ways to get string together stops against the volunteers and if you can't string together stops against tennessee you're not gonna have a chance because they're they're going to suffocate your offense a little bit to like some degree obviously alabama has the best offense in the country but tennessee's defense is still really good so you've got to find a way to get some buckets you need some players like uh rylan griffin to step up this would be a perfect game for for griffin to continue what he's been able to do uh and really have another uh, impactful performance you need the front court guys like jaron stevenson to really be able to step up, uh, man up, and have a good game. You need guys like Grant Nelson to really be able to step up and have a good game. Um, so, again, you've got to be able to find some ways to uh, penetrate that Tennessee defense and uh, do the best as you can to contain, connect, and make others beat you, um, even though some of those other players are still really good. Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of things in this game, to me, point towards – Alabama winning uh it a lot of a lot of non-basketball like kind of external factors I mean they are basketball related but like a lot of non-x's and o's external factors if you get what I'm saying like Alabama's elite at home just straight up they have only lost one home game this year they've only lost one home game the past two years they've lost zero SEC home games in the past two years they're elite at home Tennessee is in – this is a bad spot for Tennessee. Like, it, it, they're coming off of an emotional, really tough home win against a top 12, top 11 team in Auburn. And then you got to turn around and go on the road to another top 15 team. That's just a bad recipe most of the time. You add in the fact that Dalton Connect just went for 39. While that's incredible, he's probably not going to go for 39 again. So, you – potentially do for some regression there. I don't know. It depends on how Alabama guards him. Uh, but you know Alabama's going to shoot the ball well at home, or at least 90% of the time they do. Um, so 
you also add in the other factor that the last time these two teams played, Tennessee blew Alabama's doors off. So that's another added piece of motivation for this Alabama team. And then you factor in college game day, whiteout, insane crowd, SEC on the line. Like it's hard to think that like Alabama is going to be up for this game. And I think the last home game that was this big of this magnitude where Alabama really needed to guard was Auburn. And Alabama guarded Auburn pretty well. I thought so. And I I thought that was one of Alabama's best games, specifically in the on-ball defense department. So when you factor all those things in, and you add the fact that Latrell Reitzel might be coming back for Alabama, if he's back, that's an added boost. It, It seems like it's lining up for, like the opportunity is there. Alabama has to take it. And I think, I don't know, I mean, we can go ahead and pick the game while we're sitting here talking about it. I think... I think I'm picking Alabama to win. I am picking Alabama to win. I don't think I am. Um, it's going to be close, though. Like, it's going to be rowdy. It's going to be exciting. Uh, but I think Alabama's – the way this Alabama team has been is, especially since SEC play, is if they keep it close, Alabama's been really good in the late game. And they've been really yep. good closing teams out. Um, the only games they've lost in SEC play, they've gotten killed. They've gotten destroyed. I don't see Tennessee coming into Coleman and beating Alabama by 20. You know, I just don't see that. No. And so because of the fact that it's probably going to be a close game, I like Alabama to be able to close it out at home with all of those external factors at hand, with the SEC on the line, with the way that Alabama's executed late in games this year. I think I like Alabama to get it done. Yeah, I mean, I actually completely agree with you. I uh, just for Alabama, it really does feel like all the stars are kind of aligning with this game. Um, again, the one thing that does concern me is again Tennessee's defense is the third best in the country according to Ken Palm, and yeah, you've got to find a way. If your shots aren't falling uh, early on, it's going to be really hard to to claw back against Tennessee. And granted, Alabama's done it before versus plenty of teams this year, but. None versus a, a team like Tennessee, whose defense, again, is one of the best in the country. Um, but, it, again, you have those factors going for you because you would be at home. Uh, the crowd would be in, in your favor. The momentum, momentum would be on your side. Um, but I, I'll take Alabama in this one. I think they uh, inch out a close game here, and um, I think a lot of that is going to be because of Mark Sears. I think Mark Sears is a great game. I think uh, offensively, um, we'll be able to have some opportunities again. He's probably going to have to deal with Ziegler, but um, <laughs> again, a, a big time game like this, I'm going to take Mark Sears to to step up uh, in crunch time versus the Volunteers. So we'll we'll see. Um, I think it's going to be a really close game. Uh, I don't think this is one where Alvin like runs away with it uh, at any no. point in the game. But um, I think college basketball fans in general are are in for a really good um, and fun performance there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, Ken Palm has this game as an uh, as a two point Alabama win. Uh, he gives Alabama a fifty seven percent chance at victory. Um, one of the bigger keys, I think, is keeping Tennessee off the offensive glass. Yeah, um, Jonas Adu had nineteen against Alabama last time. Uh, he's going to have to be limited. 
Jordan Ganey, who averages just seven points a game uh, as one of Tennessee's kind of bench players, had 15 in the last game. And I think he made three or four threes where Alabama just got lost defensively. Yep. They're going to be locked. Like, they have to be locked in. There's no way they're not going to be locked in and amped up for this game. And I think that's going to lend itself to uh, an Alabama victory. I think Alabama is – they don't clinch a share, but they basically clinch a share with this win because they are going to beat Arkansas. <laughs> like, there's there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind they're going to beat Arkansas to close the season out. So, yeah. Alabama with a win would all in all likelihood share the title – and if they can go beat Florida on Wednesday or Tuesday, excuse me, they could go beat Florida on Tuesday. They are probably going to win that title outright, but we'll see what happens. It's going to be uh, Tennessee still has some tough games too. It, the end of their schedule is brutal, man. Like they, it's rough. It's rough. Ten, or they just played Auburn. Now they got to play Alabama, and then get done with that game. Then you got to go on the road to South Carolina a team that's also technically still in the hunt for this title. And then you're done with that. You come home and it's Kentucky scratching and clawing, trying not to get swept by you. Cause you know, Kentucky doesn't want to get swept by Tennessee ever. Right. So that's a, that's a tough four game stretch for Tennessee. Um, we will see how it ends up. Do you have anything else you want to add before we, uh, before we yeah, wrap it up? I think one last thing that, you could maybe hone in on a little bit is with how these games are typically called Coleman Coliseum <laughs> with the refs, Alabama is going to get some calls and it's just the nature yep. of college. Home basketball. teams get calls. It's, college yeah, basketball. It's, it's the nature of college basketball at this point. And Tennessee outside of Jordan Ganey hasn't had the best luck free throw shooting. I think outside of Ganey who's shooting 90%, I think their best free throw shooters um, maybe connect to like 77, I believe or 76. So if you can get Tennessee to the line versus a team like Alabama, who is shooting, gosh, what, like 88% or something from the line this season, something, some ridiculous number, um, I think you've you've got a really good chance there. And if you're getting Alabama to the line, if it's one of those type of games, that's 100% going to be advantage Alabama because they're one of the best free throw shooting games in the country and they're at home. Another reason that I think Alabama could win this game. Now, Dalton Connect could show up and have 50 and everything I just said doesn't matter. Everything you just said wouldn't matter. It's true. It's possible. But at the same time, Alabama could show up and just hit all of their shots, which they like to do sometimes. They Lots do. of ways this game could go. It's going to feel like a like a Sweet 16, Elite 8 type environment. In oh, yeah. It's going to feel like an SEC championship. Genuinely. It's going to be fun. It's going to feel I, like an SEC championship game. It is. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Blue Collar Unplugged. We'll be back next week to talk about this Tennessee game, talk about Florida, Arkansas, the end of the regular season, all of that stuff. Uh, but until then, uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you guys in the next one.